the latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello and welcome to this week's 442 Insider podcast. I'm publisher Andy Jackson and joining me as always is editor Trevor Charm. Hello. Trev, another yep. big week. Yep. Mad week. Let's kick off. Um, A-League final round of the regular season. Uh, it's last weekend when everything, uh, the finals picture uh, did finally clear. Um, let's talk about the games in isolation first. Friday night, Adelaide uh, continued their hot two-game winning streak over Melbourne Victory <laughs> um, with a win at, uh, at the Adelaide Oval. Great crowd there, just over 20,000. Uh, healthy contingent of Melbourne fans made the trip, which uh, made for a good spectacle and a fair bit of banter, it sounded like, going backwards and forwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul Reed and Travis Dobber, the goals for Adelaide. Archie Thompson back on the score sheet from Melbourne. I mean, Trev, what yep. do you think to the game? What does this tell us about the finals going? Obviously... You know, a, a confidence boost for Adelaide. They needed that going into this finals with a home final to look forward to. Yeah, exactly. This is sort of the traditional rivalry in the A-League. And I remember chatting to Archie Thompson about it once. And for him, this is far bigger than the Sydney game. You know? uh, certainly talk, talking to like Kevin Musket as yeah. well. You know, this was this is the one. I think it's well because I think because of the proximity and a lot of fans do travel both ways. It, it yeah. gives that extra edge. And, and obviously with the grand, two grand finals as well. Yeah, and. They've really turned you know, that fortune around. I bet there was times when Adelaide fans never thought they were going to win against them. And three old-school A-League scorers, guys that have been there for yeah. a while, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, victory, we've laboured this point a few times, that they've got the ability to go away almost anywhere and win, haven't they? And they've now got to do that um, with the Gold Coast, is that right, for the, you know, for, for, for the finals? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, I expected victory to go there and do slightly better than... Than they did, but Adelaide looked more sort of you know that team that's in control from start to finish, like we saw earlier in the season. And the Adelaide Oval remains a sort of interesting, you know, second home for Adelaide United. In that, whenever there's a game there, Ooh. everyone moans about the pitch that it's like an ice skating rink and yeah. players can't keep their feet in the ball. But every time they play there, they get a bumper crowd. Mm. So, uh, I mean, do you think that we should see it continue? Yeah, I think so. I mean, these they sort of Spikes throughout the season always help, don't they? You know, we get an average up. And Adelaide deserve the crowd that they get at Hindmarsh normally. It's fantastic. Even when they were doing poorly last season, they still got great crowds, didn't they? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Melbourne Heart, Sydney FC. Obviously, this was uh, the farewell games for three players. For Obviously, the two Aussies uh, took the main share of the plaudits, John Aloisi and Josip Skoko, but it was also the last time we'll see... Uh, Gerald Seabon uh, over here. Uh, whether it'll be the last time we see him on a football pitch is, is yet to be concerned. I don't think he's actually retired from football yet. Right. Um, but he rounded off his um, his final appearance with, by getting a red card. Uh, Josip Skoko rounded off his final appearance by giving away a penalty. And uh, <laughs> Johnny Aloisi broke the mould by scoring. Yeah. Um, so what, what did we make for the game? I thought it was a, it was a good game, actually. It was, it a, was a good game. game, and I think Hart did a really good job of farewell and the players as well, the stuff that he did before and the press conference after and stuff. So, um, you know, well done to them on that. And, yeah, it, you know, it was a good game. 
um, Nicky Cole making Sydney fans feel a little bit like what could have been yeah. if he'd played the whole season. Um, you know, they could have built his whole team around him if he was sort of fit and on form, and he seems to have come into that sort of form when it was... And a much all, better penalty than the week before. <laughs> Not as entertaining, though. Um, but yeah, he's going to be massive for them in the, the Asian Champions League now. Also as well, just on the on the send-off for Aloisi and, uh, and Skoko, it was nice, good use of... Melbourne Heart using social media. I don't know if yeah. you would follow Melbourne Heart on Twitter, yeah, but yeah. Scott Munn tw- uh, tweeted pictures of the lockers that they created for Aloisi and for Skoka, where they had like molo- uh, contact, collage of pictures mm. from their great moments in each of their careers. So when the players arrived, that was their locker that greeted them. So great use of social media there from those guys. And uh, it was great to see. It's nice insight that you don't normally get to see. Yeah, uh, Brisbane... <laughs> hammered Compre- Gold Coast 4 yeah. 0. Uh, fantastic occasion there at Suncorp. Great that they could go back to the home ground. I mean, the, the, the pitch uh, recovered fantastically. I mean, obviously, the, the changing rooms and some of the, uh, the, the common areas haven't obviously uh, recovered that quickly, but the pitch was fantastic and uh, it was treated with a, with a performance to match. So, Trevor, you'd say Brisbane started strongly. Yeah. The I'm- middle bit was a bit strong and the. the they're finishing very strongly <laughs> they fin- as well. They finished well, yeah. I mean, there were, people are even saying, oh, have they gone off a little, off the boil a little bit? Because they're only um, winning games 1-0, 2-0 no. now. But no, nah, they absolutely smashed one of the best teams um, in the comp 4-0. Um, and I cannot wait for Mariners Brisbane. The goal, uh, I mean, the goals came from Barbarousis, who, who set the tone early in the third minute. Then, probably for me, one of the goals of the season from Partaloo. Uh, Enrique and then Browitz rounded off which I was glad about because I had him to score at any point at $4.85 go on yes. Thomas um, but the goal from Partaloo was fantastic you know, yeah. I think there was about 10 or 12 passes leading up to it yeah. but then the vision from Browitz in the corner which was deliberate to rather than just hoof it into the box was a deliberate angle on the ball back and Partaloo just didn't break his stride and, and collected the ball and it was a fantastic volley and you have to say you know the quality of some of the goals that we've seen this season wouldn't be out of place in, in many of the top leagues in Europe. No, no I, I think good A-league goals... Whether they get that time in the top <laughs> leagues in Europe. But. Um, you know, the, the good goals we've often seen in the A-league before have been, you know, 30-yarders or one-off shots and stuff, but Brisbane have had a series of goals that have brilliantly worked as well. Um, and, not you know, like you say, any team in Europe would be, uh, would be proud to score them, so they certainly deserve all the credit they're getting. Uh, Wellington Phoenix was the uh, the early game on the Sunday, um, which was an interesting because obviously the result of the Wellington Phoenix game had a big impact on the following game, which was whether the Jets could make the finals or not. I mean, mm, this is a debate about should they all play at the same yeah, time? Yeah, I understand Fox, they don't you know, because wouldn't Fox be wouldn't be able to simultaneously uh, show five games, whether they did it on viewers' choice. But um, yeah, yeah, it certainly had an impact on that weekend. But Wellington took care of North Queensland quite comfortably, three-one. So, Trev, what did, you, what did you make of the game? Yeah, I mean, Wellington were cruising from early on, weren't they? And, and Fury just waiting for its end. And, and what a way for Fury to, to bow out. Um, it doesn't look like forever now, but bow out the season. They conceded their 60th goal of the year in their 30th game, and it was a goalkeeper taking a penny. Yeah, exactly. So, it could feel a little bit sad for him. Yeah, that was his final game for Phoenix, wasn't it, before he heads over to Perth. So, yeah. I think in injury time, they, uh, they let him uh, step up and have a crack. Uh, he's the first A-League keeper to score. Yes. Liam Reddy scored in, uh, in, uh, in the NSL. You must follow someone I follow on Twitter. Then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I think they mentioned it. In oh, the, did they? Yeah, I think they mentioned it on Fox Sports FC. Right. Maybe. Yeah. 
which obviously meant the, the Phoenix win meant that they'd secured uh, the final finals berth, uh, which meant that the Jets couldn't, which inevitably would have had an impact on the, the way they approached the game. As it was, it was a, it was a pretty hard-fought match with uh, the Mariners finally getting the breakthrough in injury time mm-hmm. uh, with a great run from, uh, from Josh Rose, great ball from Amini and a, and a good, smart pullback for Perez, who, who'd sort of moved up front and drifted up front into that sort of second striker. Which mm. um, I know Arnie was saying after the game that, you know, he, when he watched him open Argentina the first few times that um, he saw him as a striker, but Joshua Rose... Looks a you know a, a really good player. Firm in for a soccer who's left back berth by the day. I, I would think say. so, yeah. And also, you know, he had only had the luxury of resting a fair few of his key players for this, so he yeah. would have been glad to got through. You know, like likes of Rostin Griffiths and that. Um, wasn't the only thing Arnie said in no. the post-match press he had, conference. He had more to say. He had a little pop at us, which came out of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, apparently, we, uh, we said that we couldn't wait for him to fail, um, which is categorically not the case. Uh, he's referring to our pre-season season preview back in uh, August. If you can uh, remember that. Well, we can't, but... Well, I've <laughs> actually got it here. Oh, so what we, did, what we did say, and the quote is verbatim, is uh, key to success. Media and fans alike are waiting for Arnold to fail. However, he's a tough, single-minded character. But can he convert that into results as the main man for his first A-League job? Absolutely. Very different tone to saying that yeah. we can't wait for him to fail. A complimentary about him posing a question rather than just putting him down. Exactly. Completely well, different. Here's another extract, uh, just for those of you, just to clear this up. After failing at the Olympics and with the Socceroos at the 2007 Asian Cup, Arnold has built an uneasy relationship with Australian fans. He does, however, boast years of coaching at the highest level under Gus Hiddink and Pim Verbake. Add a playing career in Europe and Arnold could well prove his doubters wrong. If he does fail at a difficult job at one of Australia's smaller clubs, then he might not get another chance. Fair enough. Fair enough. Balanced. Fair enough. Completely balanced, you yeah. know. So, uh, Graham, yeah, I'm happy to resend you the, the article. Uh, the, the one that your mate put in front of you was obviously not the correct one. So, uh, look, mate, no, as if you listen to this podcast, we've been very complimentary about the work you've done this year. So, but if you've used it as, uh, as motivation, then we'll take our claim in that. So, yes. Mariners fans, thank <laughs> us. Um, so, that's it. The finals are set. The f- league table looked as, finished as follows. We'll do the top six. Brisbane played 30, won 18, drawn 11, lost one. Phenomenal performance, 65 points. Uh, eight points back. And it turned into, considering the Mariners and Adelaide were nip and tuck for so long, in the end there was seven points difference between second and third. So mm. uh, Central Coast, second place, played 30 um, with 57 points. Adelaide. Uh, 50 points and then Gold Coast were four points further back on 46 Melbourne victory 43 Wellington Phoenix 41 that's the finals that was the top six uh, from the bottom North Queensland Fury were bottom with 19 points Perth Glory 10th Sydney SC the champions curse uh, there hasn't been a, a, a champion has, has there been a champion that has made the finals in the following season yet haven't um, didn't Victory do that last year weren't they the winners the previous year yeah, and then they, yeah. they made the funny yeah, so yeah. victory if the only team to come close. Yeah, uh, Melbourne Heart ran it out the first season, finishing eighth with 35 points, level with the Jets on 35 points in seventh. Interesting to see um, Wellington Phoenix obviously made the finals, have a chance of being crowned um, champions. They've lost more games than they've won, and they've got a negative goal difference. Wow, well, there you that go. Happened in the MLS, didn't it, last season? I think the team had lost, you know, more than they'd won, and they ended up taking out the grand final. Yeah. So quick, chair. Out of ten overall for this for this season on the pitch, 
oh, the highest mark out of any season. So I'd, I'd probably give it a nine, to be fair. Yeah. Um, the way that Brisbane played to, you know, to come out, you know, plus goal difference, 32 is incredible. Um, completely deserving winners and other teams that had fallen away had, you know, come back Adelaide, you know, Central Coast looked great. Gold Coast up there again, victory in the finals. I mean, you know, the disappointments would have to be for ninth and 10th place. You know, S- Sydney and Perth to end up ninth and 10th is a, yeah. is a shocker for them. But, you know, it's staying competitive in the league. And I, I think that if you look at some of the goals that were scored this season, you know, the, the end of season goal comp is, is going to be a cracker. There was some cool. absolutely brilliant Yeah, goals I agree. I mean, what, what I've enjoyed seeing is, is sort of how the A-League has really sort of reflected what the trend in world football mm. in that, you know, we're seeing passing, moving, mobile, not overly physical, you know, athletic teams winning competitions. You know, yeah. we've got Barcelona, we've got Spain, you know, and we've seen it here. We've seen the fact that in, a, in what is renowned, and we'll talk about Broich's comments uh, in the next part, what is renowned as a, as a physical league, you know, Brisbane have come and played football consistently and have run away with it, you mm. know, deservedly so. Also, I think a highlight for me this year has just been how many young Australians have got their chance and come through. Um, and Central Coast yeah absolutely really. you know, and, and again you know, full credit to, uh, to our friend Arnie there for what he's done there it's been fantastic and also I think the quality of overseas recruiting continues to improve you know we've seen Flores Broich uh, Perez you know players that have come in underneath the salary cap that have you know delivered marquee performances really mm, yep All right, that's it for part one. We will be back in part two to look at some of the news headlines from our website, au.442.com. So join us after the break. The new issue of 442 is on sale, and it's our annual Top 100 Players in the World Special Edition. Who will be number one? We head to Japan to meet Socceroo rising star Matt Spiranovic and go one-on-one with Liverpool legend Ian Rush. There's also the never-before-told story of Man United's riotous 1999 tour down under without Sir Alex Ferguson to watch over them. We'll also visit seven European local derbies in one huge Sunday. If that wasn't enough, there's a UEFA Champions League sticker album and stickers free with every issue. On sale now at newsagents or on the iPad via the App Store. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello, welcome back to this week's 442 Insider podcast. Uh, We're going to look at what's been making news on our website, au.442.com. Top of the pile, Trev. The big man, Lubo the Lip. He's been at it again. <laughs> yeah, just a couple a- of understated comments. Ado's mobile has been running hot this week. Lubo decided to uh, line up Eddie Maguire, the AFL, uh, the footy show, rugby league, um, pretty much anyone in his sights and, and fired off again. Um, Trevor, what did you make? I mean, it, you know, it's made news around uh, all the mainstream media as well who picked up on our story. Um, AFL have sort of declined to really sort of rise to anything. You know, it, it, just for those of you that haven't read it, he was talking about the fact that, you know, drugs, are, recreational drugs are rife amongst the AFL. He's been offered them by players that he knows. Um, you know, he's talking about that it was all sparked by Eddie Maguire's land of the falafel comment um, about the Western Sydney team. Trev, what do you make of this? Yeah, um, look, I love when he comes out and makes comments like this and we complain that footballers don't, you know, do enough stuff. And also we said before that, you know, football or the, 
the FFA in a more official capacity doesn't have anyone who's really bullish, who really sort of comes out and says, and obviously, you know, an FFA person would never make comments like this, but yeah. generally in football, we haven't had anyone that will make the sort of comments that AFL and rugby will happily make about soccer whenever yeah. they feel like it. So even though I feel that Lubo's comments were probably made slightly in anger about the land of falafel comments, which was equally ridiculous, um, and we don't know if you know exactly everything Lubo has said is on the money in terms of the the drugs accusations, but you know, great. I'm I'm pleased that there's someone out there saying it, you know, as they see and sticking up for our game in the sort of bullish way that we've got used to taking it. But I think you know, he, I, I think that he does have yeah, some points in there amongst some of the the, the contradictory sort of uh, yeah. comments that he makes, you know, and when he you know he looks at. The things like Sam Newman's behaviour, Eddie Maguire's behaviour, Matt Johns' behaviour, you know, the people that are fronting the yeah. rival codes <laughs> are certainly no angels themselves, you know, so. No. Uh, so, yeah, so we're all for uh, freedom of speech and freedom of expression. Uh, my only concern is that I think Lubo needs to get a club. Yeah. As quickly as possible, because otherwise he's in danger of not being a footballer talking mm. about it. He could be an unemployed he's, madman, he's basically. Just, <laughs> he's just another punter. <laughs> Um, so Lubo thanks for the entertainment mate yep. all the best we get in your club yep. uh, Trev you were down in Melbourne Monday yep. night for uh, for the PFA Awards now this is this is an event that has certainly um, gone up in scale and you know sort of sheer size as well um, it was held at uh, Crown Casino in the room I think where the Brownlow yep. is yeah, held yeah exactly I mean, an incredible room to, to host an event like that and so you were down there talk, talk us through the evening yeah, look, it was, it was a great night um, on the PFA. All the sort of all the victory and the heart players were there, and it, it mainly sort of you know crescendoed towards giving Mark Viduka his really sort of deserved um, award at the end of it. It's Alex Tobin medal, the it? Alex Tobin medal, yeah. And you know, look, it's a great event, and we've talking about talked about Brendan Schwab in the past, haven't we? And there's a real, real deep respect from every single player and everyone involved towards Brendan. Yeah. You know, we've been impressed with him. He's an absolute class operator. Yeah. You, know, and you, you will never meet a better thinker about the game of football, strategic thinker uh, in this country. And, mm. you know, if you talk about the A-League, he can give you a document that they produced before the A-League launched about how it should be. Uh, you know how the, how the league should be set up and launched, and, and so much of that, you know, has probably come true now in, in hindsight. But uh, but yeah, certainly he he has done wonders for the PFA and for the game in this country. So uh, mm. so fair play to him. And I know a lot of the talk between sort of fellow journo's and and the guys um, involved with the game is that how much they'd love to see Brendan running it for the FFA. And you know, I don't know Brendan's position on that or the FFA's. It wouldn't be right to say so, but I don't think there'd be many people who are involved in the game or have seen it like us who, who wouldn't think that would be a great appointment. Yeah. Uh, also, as well as uh, honouring Big Dukes, uh, oh. they, the players, they revealed the PFA team of the season. Uh, AKA Brisbane. Yeah, which, not <laughs> which was in a 4-3-3 formation, obviously. Yep. Seven Brisbane Raw players, keeper, Theoklatos, defenders, Franich, Matt Smith, Luke Devere and Cassio. Midfielders, Marcus Flores, Matt Mackay, Thomas Browich. Uh Forwards, Costa Barbarossa, Sergio Van Dijk and Robbie Cruz. On the bench was Glenn Moss, Josh Rose, Casey Weirman, Carlos Hernandez and Jean-Carlos Solizano. I, I'd probably say out of that, I would have swapped Cassio for Josh Rose. So I was going to say that also Hernandez on the subs bench? Yeah, I, wouldn't, I would have probably not sure who I would have put there instead of him, but... Mm. Yeah, and, and uh, astonishingly, Ange Postacoglu, not astonishingly that he won... 
but he he polled 71% of player votes for so coach who, of the season. Who didn't vote for him? Is what I yeah. <laughs> I there was quite a lot of talk about Ange on the night, and you know he got up and spoke for a little bit, and, and Andy Harper was hosting just. You know, went on for an extended period about how important his management been this season and how much it's changed the face of the A League and, and people's perception of it and the ability to play a, a more attractive European style. So you know, and yeah, deserves all, all the plaudits he's getting. Now we gave we gave Dukes a bit of a, a profile in last week, I think it was, where we talked about his you know his record. Uh, you were lucky enough to meet him the following morning. I did, yeah, I was comparing worried. hangovers. Yeah, I think I won. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd not met Dukes before, and I've got only praise for the sort of character he is. You know, really, you know, really laid back, really humble, and just really good company. And we sat and talked for his whole career for for the upcoming an upcoming issue of the magazine. And you know, he gave up well over an hour of his morning for us. For you know, we normally get player access through you know sponsors and uh, and events and stuff. And Dukes was happy to come in and and chat to four four two for that amount of time. Um, so yeah, I just think he's a you know a fantastic guy. I was sat, I big mean, fan of him, big yeah, fan. I, mean, the thing, I remember sort of being at the Asian Cup and the press conference there, and he was obviously skipper under Arnie. And, um, and when he walked into the press conference and walked past me, I was amazed at how big he was. Yeah. Uh, you know, like when you see him on the pitch, he, d- he doesn't come across as being that big. Well, he's quite he is, stocky, he is, isn't he, in that something? Yeah. You know, he's like... He is a big boy, and you imagine, like, marking him would be an absolute nightmare. Yeah, it's quite funny. Ange had a, a good story about taking on Dukes when he was sort of a... 18, 19 year old kid at the Knights and he, he was saying that um, I forget the name but basically the, the, he was assistant to the manager of the, the team that were taking on Dukes and the manager said well you know, I only think he's 18 you know, I reckon we can get under his skin so in the build up saying you know, oh, this lad he's, he's not ready to do an NSL grand final or crumble um, they lost 3-2 Dukes got a hat trick and um, <laughs> every goal that Dukes scored he made sure he ran over to their bench to let them know he'd scored so. Excellent uh, Staying in Victoria um, the Mirabella Cup was announced this week, which uh, is probably you know, a preamble to what we can look forward to with the uh, FFA Cup that's been promised for 2012-13, I believe. Uh, and this is where suburban and country clubs will have a chance of a showdown with Melbourne Victory and Melbourne Heart. Uh, Trev? Yep. Good initiative? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the general consensus that everyone we talked to about the FFA Cup, um, everyone wants it. Everyone thinks it's a good idea, and everyone thinks if they get the format right, it will succeed. So, yeah, a bit like how um, Sydney at the start of last season done. A, I mean, was it seven to nine or twelve? You know, games against sort of local sides. Um, you know, it's a really good chance to to sort of get around and and make sure that everyone gets to see the club, and hopefully they'll come along to the A League games after that. So, yeah, yeah. It's, it's great. So basically, the competition will start in March, and the final will be played just prior to the Victorian Premier League finals at the start of the 2011-12 season. So the initial stage will be a knockout, uh, open to all amateur men's clubs statewide, uh, and then the VPL and State League One teams come in at the second phase, and then Victory and Hart enter at the quarter-final stage. So it genuinely mm. is an opportunity for, you know, pub teams, social teams to actually get their way through. And, uh, I, I would back a shock. That's yeah. a really, really good state, you know, state league, and the amount of A League players that have come from it, I don't think it'd be that big a surprise if you know they managed to get past either Heart or Victory. Okay, and uh, hats off to uh, to Mirabella for uh, putting up the money and the sponsorship to make this happen. And uh, yep. you know, football is it's not unique in Australia; it's around the world. Wouldn't you know? Can't survive without the support of corporate support like Mirabella. So fair play to them. Uh, 
North Queensland Fury, uh, it seems, have raised the 1.5 million that the FFA demanded and are waiting to, to hear their fate today. Uh, it would appear that there's a, there may be a board meeting at the FFA today, um, although it was the deadline that they were given. So they seem to have kept up their side of the bargain. Um, however, overnight I was following the, the, the Melbourne Fans Forum uh, on Twitter last night and, and Lyle Gorman shared a figure um, with the audience there on Fury that, that the FFA had pumped $9 million into Fury in the last two seasons and that was on top of the $5 million that um, Don Matheson had put in. So that would make Fury the, the most expensive team in the A-League, really, or, or the, the, the leakiest. Is, is the, that would put them at $7 million losses per season. Yeah. Which I found a bit surprising. I, I, I wouldn't have imagined it would have been that much. Well, the, the average is about two, two and a half, isn't it, million loss, which most of them have ex- kind of accept the victory because they're incredible membership numbers. Um, yeah, that, that is a huge amount. You'd I thought the big blowouts were like Sydney at six million or something. It's difficult to believe that Fury could have out, especially this out season. Blown yeah. Sydney. Um, especially this season. I mean, it's not like they had sort of the Fowler marquee money this, yeah. this time around either. So that. That's a bizarre figure that he's got there. Okay. Well, look, you know, let's hope that there is a way um, for Fury to stay in, although I have to admit the comments that uh, Lyle made last night didn't fill me with confidence. It's almost like the FFA don't want them to stay in. He was talking about even if they went out of the competition this season, the door would be open for them to come back. Mm. Now, that, to me, suggests like hedging your bets. Um, But, yeah, so uh, we remain hopeful, but... Realistically, I can't see it. Um, thankfully, though, Gold Coast, or you might say thankfully, let's, uh, Gold Coast owner Clive Palmer has dismissed speculation that the club is set to fold and has insisted the future is bright with a string of new signings to come. Mm. I get a feeling Gold Coast at, at some point are going to pull off a really, really big signing. I think the, the thing for me, though, is that if he's in, it, if he's in this for the long term, mm. you know, rather than this... I'm in it again for another year. You know, we like, remember last year when there was all this brinkmanship yeah. with Lowy. Are we going to pull out? Am I going to back it? Am I going to give the license back? No, I'm not. I'm going to stay for another season. What have they done this season to take the club forward? Mm. They haven't connected with the fans any better. There's another season gone by when they are still getting 2,000 fans. Mm. You know, okay, he did the free entry, 20,000 fans. You know, so they're there. But what is he doing? Where's the plan? If he is going to stay in the game, where's the plan? Where, where's the connections with the community? Because it's no good just going from season to season going, here's some more money to run the club. Yeah. We'll bring in another marquee player if Kalina leaves. Schmelz is rumoured to be going to Perth. You know, we'll throw more money at it. But it's still not solving the main problem, and that is connecting with their customers mm. and their audience. You know? And I don't think they're under a lot of pressure from the FFA to come forward with that plan purely because they've got the money to, well, yeah, to keep I, running I guess, and, and the FFA you know, are grateful to have a team is, like This that. is where I think that the FFA needs to be a little more demanding. You know, it's mm. like if somebody is taking up a licence, you know, and, and, and the FFA did have to get involved last season. Mm. You know, they did have to commit resources. So I, I think, you know, I'm all for Clive Palmer staying in football, don't get me wrong, but I do think that I want, you know, I want them to come out and not just say, we're in for next season and I'm going to bankroll it again, but... This is what we're doing to take the club forward. This is what we're doing to make Gold Coast United an ongoing, viable football club on the Gold Coast. Yep. Uh, 
Thomas Broich, we alluded to this earlier, Thomas Broich at the finals launch was talking about um, him and his uh, compatriot Peter Perchold, who, uh, who was a late arrival at, at the Royals. You can't believe the intensity of the A-League. Um, I really love the attitude and the mentality here. It's so intense and everyone is working so hard on the pitch. Um, we had a discussion earlier about the A-League, about the league being too physical, and that's true sometimes, but that's part of the Australian spirit. Um, everyone thinks we play hard in Germany, but it's not even close. Um, even in training, Peter's had some tackles he never had in his life, and <laughs> every challenge in the air is like a battle. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure that... Um... That's really the, the impression we want to be giving, but, you know, fair play to him. He seems to enjoy it. He's been a revelation, though, Trevor, Lee Broich. Yeah, yeah, in, in, incredible signing, so important to them. But, you know, when he's not been played, there's been people that step in and, you know, done an equally good job. Not massively surprised about hearing how physical the A-League is. Um, naturally competitive physical players are in it, aren't they? Yeah, he also uh, mentioned his sort of, you know, his surprise, getting his head around the, the finals concept in Australia. Is yeah. like, it feels a little bit like the German Cup, he said. Um, but he said, winning the league's not a minor thing, but then the final series is just another big thing to achieve. So, uh, so yeah, so looking forward to him playing a, a starring role in the, uh, in the finals for Brisbane. Jason Kalina um, looks like he's... Uh, He's been given permission to speak to other clubs and, and the hot tip is that he'll be teaming up with Branco for a father and son trick at the Jets. Yes, yeah. An interesting decision from Gold Coast because he's... Families are working together. Yeah. Um, it's, it, because he was on a three-year deal and he's two years into it um, and you, you can't trade between A-League clubs so that they're releasing him. Yeah. Um, to go. You can to, trade, you just can't pay transfer can't fees. Can't pay, yeah. yeah. So, so they're not, you know, they're not recouping money on him. They are, you know, letting him go. Um, but they didn't pay any money for him, though, did they either? They didn't no. pay PSV, he was a free agent. But would you let your best player go for free when he's got a year left on his contract? And, if unless he, you, if he wants to go. Mm, but, you know, he's not upgrading himself much as he, you know, going to the Newcastle Jets and having to play under dad. I mean, I can only assume that Gold Coast have got someone else in mind who's going to be even more influential than Kalina otherwise it's a well, so Michael Owen well yeah. yeah Michael Owen's also been tipped with the Jets as a, as a tinkler coup now this is a, I tweeted at the time and apparently this, this came out in the papers that it's not the most ridiculous link in the world because Michael Owen has got serious investments in racehorses mm. as has Nathan Tinkler and apparently there was a, the lure of a thoroughbred in, are they going to pay him in horses <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so it's not beyond the beyond the pale. Um, so, yeah, so who knows? Maybe we'll be seeing. Uh, I wonder if the Jets would have too many issues over their red and blue kit if it had Owen ten on the back and he was lining up at the start of oh, next you're, season. You're forgetting about the history of the club, Jacko. That six-year history. Yeah. Right. Maybe that's maybe that's uh, Nathan's words to bring a marquee player over so big that everyone forgets about the colour of the kit. Yeah. Um, all right, that's it. One that's last it. thing we wanted to just point out, which is uh, one of our readers and uh, followers on Twitter, uh, Andrew Tilly and Michael Donald, who are at Sydney Uni's uh, Sport and Fitness Department, are staging what's believed to be the first ever 24-hour football match to take place this weekend. There'll be two teams of 11 plus around 40 reserves. Is that enough? Hmm. 40 for 24 hours? <laughs> Uh, with each participant donating $100 to play, which is all going to the uh, Premier's Disaster Relief Appeal for the Queensland floods. Um, the, platch, the match is going to take place at The Square, Sydney Uni Sports and Fitness Grounds, which is located at Western Avenue, University of Sydney. 
Kickoff will be at 4 p.m. on Saturday, February the 19th, and the game will end exactly 24 hours later on Sunday, February the 20th. So spectators are more than welcome, and if you're going along, uh, take some loose change or some notes and, uh, and donate. There'll be collections going on through the day. Um, they leave their, their mobile numbers, but I won't read those out. Um, but look, all the details are on the website, but uh, it's a great initiative from Andrew and Michael, and it deserves your support. So if you get a chance this weekend, or if you want to play, uh, it's not too late. Go Head to the website, see how you can get involved. Mm. All I'd, right. lo- I'd love to come on the last 15 minutes. Yeah, as, <laughs> as people are tiring a touch. <laughs> Jesus. 24 hours. I struggle with 24 minutes these days. Uh, all right, that's it for part two. We are going to look a bit further afield in part three and preview the first raft of Champions League last 16 games. Join us after the break. Visit Football Emporium on www.footballemporium.biz to see the largest selection of football merchandise and memorabilia in Australia. A real football shopping experience. Or why not pop in and visit them directly at 139 Victoria Road, Dremoyne. Or simply call them on 1300 Goals to find out what's new in the football world. Back to 442 Insider. Hello, welcome back to this week's 442 Insider Podcast. We're going all Champions League now. Uh, let's review Trev. First round of last 16 games. Uh, yesterday's games, for starters. Valencia drew one all with Schalke. Uh, Soldado uh, opened the scoring for Valencia before Raul. Back on Spanish soil. Uh, I think it was his 71st goal in European competition. Stupidness. Yeah. Yeah, what a player. And he... Yeah, I was always, I've got to admit, I was always one of those sort of, I didn't really see what the fuss was about. And I, you know, I thought, he's always played in, a, in Real Madrid. Mm-hmm. You know, let's be fair, there were times when me and you could have played up front for Real Madrid and scored 20 got goals. Got the old goal, yeah. Um, but since he's gone to Schalke, he's carried on scoring, you know, he's having a good season. So, and he's still going strong in the Champions League, so mm-hmm. fair play to him. I mean, those two, you wouldn't expect a winner's going to come from one of those two, and one of the bigger boys would be hoping to to pick them off when you're in the next round yeah and for everyone in our office the Ugh. Spurs bandwagon rolls on <laughs> Spurs are on their way to Wembley apparently yeah. um, fant- yeah, you've got to say though fantastic performance yesterday uh, a, a really good win 1-0 with a, a late Peter, Peter Crouch smash and grab um, it was an interesting game Trev wasn't it yeah I mean a fiery game yeah uh, in the first half Spurs dominated you know mm. had, a, had a number of chances um, Van der Vaart was, was fantastic you know, really has been probably the sign of the season and then second half Milan came out pretty, like really fired up really went at Spurs and he thought hang on here we go um, but almost sort of got too fired up and um, I thought again you know there's a lot been made about Harry Redknapp and there's no tactics and he's not, but I do think he's, he's smarter than a lot of people give him credit for yeah. he took Van der Vaart out of that to, for his own safety yeah he saw that that was getting tasty. Flamini had cracked Van der Vaart in the first half late. Yeah. And I think he thought, you know, we're not going to lose this here now. As in, even if we lose, lose the game 1-0, we're still in it. But if we don't have Van der Vaart at, the, at White Hart Lane, we're going to really struggle. Yeah. And I think he took him off because Van der Vaart was one of those players who gets the ball and hangs on to it. Mm. Modric who he put on in his place as one of those players who gets the ball and gives it gets the ball and gives it so doesn't give the player the chance to clatter him late as much mm. uh, and as it turned out it was a bit of a masterstroke because it was 
it was uh, Modric's ball that set Lennon free. It was a great break for Lennon. But let's, I mean, the, the Flamini tackle on Torluca. Yeah. Um, red card for you. Well, yeah. It's, for ages, we've gone on, on about how dangerous two-footed tackles are, especially ones that come in over the ball. That's exactly what he did, and he, you know, he, sh- he should have got sent off. And let's talk Gattuso. Yeah. I seems mean, like a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> First half. He didn't really do much. Second half, I don't know what he had at half-time. Redknapp doesn't know either, what? But, I don't know, it was weird. Like, when he got booked, when he started punching the ground, and then he grabbed Jordan by the throat, and then Joe Jordan, that is, not the <laughs> no. busty supermodel. <laughs> um, then, um, I did hear a good tweet. Someone said, someone, Gattuso didn't get it quite right when he said that it, at the end of a pre, when you play a Premier League team, you play them for 90 minutes and then get to do Jordan. <laughs> um, but anyway, it all cracked off after the game where uh, Gattuso actually headbutted Joe Jordan. Now, as Redknapp said in a press conference, it's not really the bloke that you would pick on. If you know anything about Joe Jordan, no. Well, and also, he's an ex, he, he's, he played for AC Milan yeah. Jordan as well. I've, I've forgotten about that. So uh, it was all got a bit ugly and, and even his own players just seemed, when they were going to pull him off from yeah. Jordan at the end, they, even they were sort of looking at the other Spurs players that were, inv- like, were there going, we don't, you know, don't know what he's doing here. Um, that, uh, could, that could be the end of his Champions League. I think he, it will he, be. I mean, he's he's got to get a lengthy ban for that. Not, not just for, for the collection of incidents through the whole second half, but uh, yeah. didn't really... You know, and I, I thought he cost them a game. I'll be honest, because I thought that they, they got that balance just right in the first 15, 16 minutes of the second half where they, they turned up the intensity a notch and, and got a little bit more physical with Spurs. But then he just overstepped the mark and, and they lost, then they lost their discipline and just got picked off. And then uh, you knew that they weren't going to get the goal back then. So it put Spurs in a fantastic position. Right, the games today. Roma, uh, Ranieri heaping the pressure on himself, getting beaten at home uh, by Shakhtar the next. Uh, Perotta put Roma in the lead, but then uh, Shakhtar Donetsk, that Ukrainian team, let's just have a listen to their three scorers. Jadson, Douglas Costa, and Luis Adriano. <laughs> As you yeah. said, local lads done good. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they won 3-2, three, three, they were 3-1 up. Menez got one back for, uh, for Roma, but you'd probably say that, barring a, a fantastic away performance, uh, Shakhtar would be favourites to go through. Yeah. How many years in a row has Ranieri managed... With all likelihood of him getting sacked just around the corner. It's like the whole time he was at Chelsea. And he yeah. went to Juve for a bit, didn't he? And it was like that there, and it's like yeah. a Roma. And Tyler Rand delivered. Fantastic game. Yeah. Yeah, well, it, it was what Arsenal Barcelona we're talking about here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Barcelona. Barcelona. We've got Barcelona to look forward to <laughs> next week. Yeah, look, it, it, it was a great game, and um, Barcelona had. A massive slice. I've seen the possession figures. They had a massive 69% slice. Sixty-nine percent. Yeah, um, which Arsenal would never be used to. But you know, Arsenal came out on top, and it's interesting. Wenger and Arsenal never succumb to a different approach, do they? You know, in the way that we've seen, um, you know, Chelsea and Inter Milan push Barcelona in recent years in the Champions League. Arsenal still plan to play their way, even when they can't have the ball as much as they normally like, and had to play on the break a little bit more at home. Well, it's almost. Like, both teams were like that. Because mm. when Barcelona were 2-1 down with five minutes to go, they were still tippy-tapping around yeah. the back four and the midfield and no urgency to get the ball in or no crosses going in because there was no one there. There was no one there above yeah. four foot to, to pick out. <laughs> so 
So, yeah, it, it was a quality game to watch. Villa opened the scoring with a, a fantastic through ball from, from Messi, which then slotted through the keeper's legs. Van Persie, you'd probably say Victor Valdez will look at that and say that that's a mistake. You know, it was the only real place that Van Persie could put it. Yeah. And Valdez gambled wrongly on Van Persie pulling it back. And, uh, and you should never... Keeping at the lowest level, you should never do that. And then Arshavin, who was a substitute from Wenger, bit of a masterstroke there, took off Alex Song before he got sent off uh, and put on Arshavin, who has not, you know, we were talking about this when he came on, he's not had a great season, has he? No, nah. no, he's really gone off the ball. But I don't know if he's like, but he looks like he's slimmed down again. Yeah. He, he seems a bit more, uh, a bit slimmer than he has looked, but he came through with a very neat finish, good build up, although uh, Alves will look at himself, uh, whether he could have picked up a bit better, but. Uh, Cool finish from Arshavin, which sets it up beautifully for the uh, for the next leg. It does, yeah. I would still expect Barcelona to go through. I mean, you know, Arsenal fans are delighted because it looked like they were going to lose and they've come away with 2-1. But realistically, I think they, they probably needed a clean sheet this morning, Arsenal, and they needed to be 2-up. I think 2-0 would have been a result that would have, you know, really put it close. But yeah. I would... well, you certainly got that impression that Barcelona were quite comfortable losing 2-1 because yeah. they weren't chasing the game. They, they didn't go hell for leather to get the equaliser, which might have left them open to a counter-attack to make it 3-1. So they were quite comfortable taking 2-1 back to the new Camp. So, uh, yeah, you'd probably still say Barcelona favourites, but it does set it up for, uh, for a crack. But you know that Arsenal aren't going to go there and defend. No, no, no. They can't. They're no, not capable no, of it. You, you'll, get, you'll get steamrolled. So, yeah, the, they know that they're going to have to go there and score. They're not going to be able to hold out and keep a clean sheet. So that should be a cracking game, shouldn't it? All right, excellent. That's it with the Champions League. Uh, we'll be back after this break to talk A-League week one of the finals. So join us after this break. The new issue of 442 is on sale, and it's our annual Top 100 Players in the World Special Edition. Who will be number one? We head to Japan to meet Socceroo rising star Matt Spiranovic and go one-on-one with Liverpool legend Ian Rush. There's also the never-before-told story of Man United's riotous 1999 tour down under without Sir Alex Ferguson to watch over them. We'll also visit seven European local derbies in one huge Sunday. If that wasn't enough, there's a UEFA Champions League sticker album and stickers free with every issue. On sale now at newsagents or on the iPad via the App Store. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello, welcome back to the final part of this week's 442 Insider podcast. We're back Australia side now to uh, preview first week of finals. Three days, three games, three destinies. (laughs) Um, Friday night, Adelaide versus Wellington. Interesting tie this. It's only, it's only three weeks ago, I think, that Wellington went there and got a result that yeah. really secured their final spot with a Greenacre diving header. Don't see enough diving headers these days. Can they do it again, Trev? Um, I think they'll push them quite close, actually. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to, you know, I assume we've got extra time and penalties. You yeah. know, now, yeah, yeah, now yeah, we're into the finals. Straight knockout this one. Um, and I'm, I'm going to go for, I think Adelaide might still do enough, but I think Adelaide and extra time or penalties, but... You know, Wellington, we always say that they're not great away from home and they're only in the finals because of their home form. But, you know, come the finals and the fact they've gone there recently and done well and Adelaide are, are not on the form they were the first half of the season. Um, yeah, I, I think I'll, they'll run it close, but Adelaide to edge their way through. OK. Um, 
obviously the big one. I think is Paul Eiffel back for Wellington this week? They're, they're hoping, they're hoping yeah. that he is. I think he could be the difference, you know, because he'll come back. He's a match winner, as they say, yeah, isn't it? He exactly. can do something special. Um, Mariners, home to Brisbane, major semi-final, hosting rights for the grand final uh, on the line. Last game, I think, was three all. Yeah, yeah, it looked like Brisbane's um, unbeaten run was in real danger because the Mariners were on top for for big periods of that game. Um, yeah, this, I mean, this is this is the big one, isn't it? I, I always think it's a quite a big advantage having your home leg second, though, because yeah, if you yeah. can go there and away, for, you know, and know that if you keep it tight and you just lose by one goal, or you can even pick up a draw, then it's all or nothing at home for a place to host the final. So Similarly to what we've been talking about just on the Champions League signings with Arsenal, though, Brisbane don't really strike me as a team that that are set up to go and defend. To, nah. yeah, they play the way they play. They'll play their possession football. They'll get forward. Um, so I, I, don't, I don't see them going there. I, I just see them approaching it as another game and saying, right, we can win both of these games. And if we do, we're in the, we host the grand final. And I think... I sometimes think that you can overcomplicate it by thinking too much about, well, we'll be happy with a draw. Forget yeah. that. Go and try and win it. And I yeah. think that's what Ange will be saying. Uh, Mariners, this is, you know, they've got to go for this, haven't they? On the, on the contrary to that, the Mariners have got to try and get a lead to take to Suncourt. Yeah, and that, I mean, if you can get caught out hideously by Brisbane, if you, if you know this is a real must win game, um, I think it would be another score draw. Because um, I just, I, I can't see, you know, either side holding each other off for the for the whole 90 minutes so I don't think it'd be 3-3 again but I can see a 1-0 or perhaps even a 2-0 and that'll put the pressure you know really on the Mariners when they've um, when they've got a head back it might be you know the Mariners if they do get a result I can see them just edging Brisbane out um, but realistically I, I think they'd probably need to, to catch Raw on the hop and have at least a two goal well, Sporting Bet have got it. Uh, Central Coast two dollars sixty-five, Brisbane two dollars fifty-five. So very slight favourites, Brisbane, which I probably agree with, and the draw three dollars thirty. So the draw is probably the value bet there. Yeah, um, or, or the Mariners. Are they? I forgot yeah. about the uh, the odds for the first final. Let's just go back quickly. Adelaide on Sporting Bet at a dollar fifty-eight. Wellington six dollars fifty. Now that ain't a bad bet. Not at all. And the draw three dollars fifty. Especially if the Eiffel machine's back. <laughs> an eyeful of that um, <laughs> Simon our producer a little chuckle there. I know. Um, final game Sunday Gold Coast uh, it's got the go ahead to go go ahead at Skill Park which thankfully uh, I think is the correct decision it would make a bit of a mockery if Melbourne uh, got an away final and hosted the final um, so Melbourne Victory will travel to the Gold Coast um, Sporting Bet have got Gold Coast Actually got Melbourne Victory slight favourites, two dollars fifty against two dollars seventy. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, do you think the Victory will have more fans there than the Gold Coast? <laughs> Quite possibly. <laughs> Quite it possibly. could end up feeling like the a draw's three dollars thirty. Now I, I I've got a little multi on. I've got a little three-legged multi where I've gone Adelaide, the draw, and Melbourne. I think Melbourne will win. I think it was worked out about eight or nine to one. Tomorrow. Yeah. No, no. I'm 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 fairly confident that Melbourne will go there and. Um, yeah, managed to pick up a result. Yeah, I think that I think that defeat last week by Brisbane, I think, will create a bit more doubt in Gold Coast minds. Um, the nature of that defeat. So unless they have a real sort of regroup this week, I think they were might well run out of steam. And I think the loss of Kalina has certainly um, hit them hard. Yep. So if we're right, then Trev, pick your results. So yeah, Adelaide to progress. Yep. 
Um, I think it would be a draw, but yeah. that, I'll still see Brisbane progressing from there, and I think victory will go away. So that, so would, home draw so that away. would then give Adelaide... Next week would see Adelaide host Melbourne Oof. in a barnstormer uh, for then the rights to play away at the loser of Central Coast Brisbane for a yep. spot in the grand final. I do quite like this final structure. I've got to admit, I'm not, you know, I'm not 100% on the six teams, but I do quite like the fact that what I didn't like about the four teams one was that the first week there was no climax, there was no yeah. like, so, you know, whereas at least this, there's one two-legged game going on, but for the first, you know, pretty much, well, every round of the finals, the four rounds, there is sudden death football going on, I quite like that. And they're a great set of fixes, you know, you look at those games and you can't help but look forward to them. Brilliant. Well, look, if you are supporting any of the teams in the finals, make sure you get out, don't just watch it on Fox Sports, get out and get there and support. Uh, you know, we need to finish the season on a high. We've all got a role to play in that. So get out and support your team. Uh, to everyone that was there at the Melbourne Fans Forum last night, good on you. Uh, you know, your voices will be heard. We'll make sure of that. Should hopefully go to Brisbane and, and possibly Perth. They're, yeah, they're trying to slow us. And hopefully we can, uh, they can be more often and maybe an annual event, if not more. So uh, good on you, all the guys that gave up your time uh, and the panellists that gave up their time. Lyle Gorman, the guys from Melbourne Victory, Melbourne Heart. Mike Lynch was there, Francis Leach was there, I think, so uh, Mark Van Arkham was there, so good effort, you know, let's, we, if we're all in this together, we will get the result we want. So enjoy your football this weekend, we'll be back next week to review finals football and the second batch of games in the Champions League last 16. We'll see you then. 442 Insider is a Helms Media Solutions production. Visit helms.com.au to find out more about our services.